So we continue this morning in Daniel, God's sovereign rule over human history. The question I'd like to ask you before we do our scripture reading today is this. Is your back against the wall? If it's not today, it will be sometime. Your back will be up against the wall. What do you do? Well, Daniel chapter 7 gives us five words we're going to see today of what to do when our back is against the wall. We're going to learn from the saints during this coming tribulation time, how they reacted and lived through it. If they could, if they can, we can as well. Daniel chapter 7, we didn't have our scripture reading today because we're having our scripture reading now. I'd like to lead us through that. If you could please stand together with me. The message today is triumphant saints possessing the kingdom. And we're going to read this morning verses 15 through the end of the chapter. And this reading today will begin kind of in this range, going to be talking about the tribulation time, this time of the coming Antichrist, the second stage of this Roman Empire, this little horn who speaks great blasphemous things. So we're going to be talking, this will be a reading of the, this tribulation time, and then going into this millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to be reading about. And verses 15 through 16, I'm just going to give just a general thought before we read the verses as we break down the scripture. Verses 15 and 16, basically we see Daniel's spirit grieved. Can you read it with me? Verses 15 and 16. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. So Daniel says basically his spirit was like a, a, a sword in a sheath and his spirit was grieved. So he asked an angel, show me what I just saw in this vision. The vision was of those four kingdoms. What were the four kingdoms? Same with me. They were Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Okay? So the next section is the angel is going to respond in verses 17 and 18 and just give him the general overview of the vision that he just saw of those four kingdoms. Let's please read together verses 17 and 18. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. And so Daniel compresses millennia of time into two short verses. And he says something very important when he says these great beasts, these beasts of the lion, the bear, the leopard, and the savage beasts, are four kings. And this is what we have to understand from this passage as well, that a king is inseparable from a kingdom. Where there's a king, there's a what? A kingdom. So these four kings, he says, shall arise out of the earth. He's also talking about four kingdoms. In the next section, now Daniel is going to ask a question. So Daniel teaches us, if you have a question to ask, there's no such thing as a dumb question. They're all good. If it's a question, you don't know it, ask it. So Daniel asked the angel of a question, and his question goes from verses 19 through verse 22. And I'll read these verses. 
Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet, and of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. I beheld the same horde made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the Ancient of Days was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. So this basically is Daniel's question and then clarification of the vision that he saw. What most interested Daniel about these four beasts? What beast most interested him? The fourth beast. And then what of the fourth beast? The second stage of the fourth beast, which was where the ten horns came up. And then the little horn, which was the Antichrist, who defeated three of the kings and then took over the kingdom of those ten different kingdoms. That is what interested him the most. Then in the next section is the answer to Daniel's question. He wanted to know more about the fourth beast and about the little horn, that Antichrist. And so now the angel is going to respond. Notice verse 23. It says, thus he said. So this is the response of the angel to Daniel's questions. And I'd like for you to read with me verses 23 through 27. Thus he said. The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise and another shall arise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first and he shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. But the judgment shall sit and they shall take away his dominion and consume it and to destroy it unto the end and the kingdom and dominion. And the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Hitherto, I'm sorry, that's it. Thank you so much. You did good. Now, the last verse is the response of Daniel. And basically, his response at the end of the interpretation is similar to his response after the vision. In other words, he was overwhelmed with the information he was receiving. He couldn't absorb it all. And so read with me verse 28 as the last verse. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Let's pray. So, Father, today we pray, God, if any is weary, with their backs up against the wall, you would refresh them. 
If any is in despair, comfort them. If any is asleep, wake them up. If any is lost in sin, convict and bring to them your salvation. Increase all of our faith in you, O Lord, our love for you. And we thank you, Lord, that you have not left us in the darkness of our own nature to know who you are and also to know the future that is to come. But we have your holy, your precious, your wonderful word. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So the message today is triumphant saints possessing the kingdom. It's impossible if you know the future not to have that change you, affect your present. If you know the future, it will affect your present. For example, let's say you were a sports person and you like football or something like that, and you knew the future today, and you knew who was going to win the football games. Now, a lot of people who play sports, watch sports, enjoy they bet. So, you know, let's just say a, a better man, you know, he knew who was going to win. the. He would be betting on all the games to try to make money. So knowing the future will affect how you will live right now is the point. But this is even more important than just knowing who's going to win some silly football game today. We know the future of eternity. We know the future of the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ. And how much more should that affect us? in the present moment, to make sure that we're saved and living for him now. Here we see in this passage astounding things. I've entitled this message, Triumphant Saints Possessing the Kingdom. And two things, by way of introduction, that really just blow me away and astound me about this passage is this. First of all, it astounds me that in the verses we read, the Son of Man is not mentioned by name because he concluded the vision of verses 13 and 14. The son of man was brought in the clouds of heaven to the ancient of days, who is the father. He received the kingdom and the son of man comes back and establishes the kingdom. But in the interpretation, the son of man is not mentioned. We don't see where it says the son of man possessed the kingdom. But we read three times in these verses that the saints possess the kingdom. That is so astounding. And the the places are, let's read it again in verse 18. It says, the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom. Why doesn't it say the Son of Man there? It says the saints. Who are the saints? That would be you. That these are... Going into the kingdom, into the millennium, would be church saints, Old Testament saints, tribulation saints. The saints of all time, I believe from the days of Adam to the through the tribulation, will go into this kingdom of Jesus Christ. The saints will possess the kingdom. Look at verse number 22. Again, we see it. It says, and the saints of the Most High... And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. And look at verse number 27. And it says, and the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom. There's the kingdom. Count how many times kingdom is in this verse. Under the whole heaven shall be given to who? People of the most high. 
whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. So the third time, it says the saints will take the kingdom, that the kingdom is given to you. That is astounding. Remember we talked about the contrast of the earthly kingdoms. They come up out of the sea. They're savage beasts. Jesus' kingdom comes from heaven. He's the pure, holy son of God. But here's another incredible contrast. All these kingdoms, these earthly kingdoms, basically exist for who? For whose glory? The king's glory. But the kingdom of Jesus Christ, he takes the kingdom and he shares, if you will, the greatness and the glory of the kingdom with who? With you. Praise God for our Savior. That is amazing. Second thing that amazes me about this passage and really about life in general is that God is God. And he could make it easy on his saints to possess the kingdom. He could make it easy on you to possess the kingdom. But guess what? He doesn't. God doesn't make it easy. <laughs> you say, I know that. I figured that one out. But that's the truth. Sometimes we are backed up against the wall. And so are the saints of the tribulation. In other words, God puts his people. And here's the book of Daniel. God puts his people in impossible situations. The three men bow to this idol or go into the fiery furnace. What's the, Their back is against the wall. Daniel, don't pray to any God or into the den of lions you go. His back was up against the wall. Impossible situation. And here, the saints during the tribulation, they're being persecuted by the Antichrist. And he was winning. And so it seems that they're often winning. But don't fear, don't fret, and don't fail in your faith. Because what did Jesus say? What's the verse there? He said, in the world you shall have tribulation. And Paul said that through much tribulation we shall enter into the kingdom of God. So I want to give us five words today on how we are to live as these tribulation saints live to make an application to us how we are to live as they lived with our backs against the wall and possess the kingdom the first the first word is the word focus focus on this great promise that we've been talking about that we as the saints of God possess the kingdom now what do i mean by possess the kingdom I mean that we take ownership of the kingdom, that we have authority in the kingdom with the king. And the Lord calls us kings and priests. And we will have authority and ownership with Jesus in the kingdom. Now, I want to compare two verses. And I want us to see something also very important, because I said that the Son of Man is not mentioned in these verses. But another name for God is mentioned at least four times in the verses we read. And it's the name, the Most High. And it's verse 27, if you could look in verse 27, where it says again, the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness 
and the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. And then he says, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom? So whose kingdom is it ultimately? It's the kingdom of the Most High. Now, here's an amazing thing about this name for God in Daniel chapter 7, the Most High. It's a plural noun. Plural noun. Remember the first name for God is a plural noun. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heaven and the earth. In other words, a noun speaking of a plurality of persons singularly created. So here we have the most high, a plural noun. Who does the most high relate to here? Well, go back to Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. I saw in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man. And that was who? Jesus Christ, because Jesus said it was. He quoted this before the Sanhedrin. Coming with the clouds of the heaven. And he came to the who? Ancient of days. Who's that? The Father. So here we have the Father and the Son. So the Most High refers to the triune God. The Son of Man. The Ancient of Days. The Kingdom of God. That he shares with us. Because look at this in verse 14 now. It says, and there was given him. And I believe the him here is the son of man. Because the government will be upon his shoulder. It says the kingdoms of this world are given to Jesus Christ. It says there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom. That all people, nations, languages should serve him. Now notice that. The parallel between this verse and verse 27, it uses the same language. It uses the word kingdom. It uses the word dominion. It uses the word serve. They will serve him. And it says his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. It says the exact same thing in verse 27. It's the same kingdom spoken of. But what I'm saying is this. Is that... Though the kingdom is Jesus's, we as the saints of God are given it with him to possess it with him. He shares it with us. Isn't that amazing? Can we get excited? We could get a little excited about that. God is so good. Jesus promised his church this very thing. You know, at the end of each of the messages that John gives in the book of Revelation to the church, there's a, there's a, there's a promise to he that overcometh. So here's one of these overcometh promises in Revelation 2. Can you read it with me? It says, and he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And I read that verse and I said, okay, he that overcometh, Jesus says, I will give them I will give them him power over the nations. To who? To those in the church that overcome. You are promised by Jesus power, authority, to rule over the nations in the coming kingdom. And then as I read this verse, though, it says, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And I was like, who's the he there? It has to be surely Jesus, because it says in Psalm 2 that he's going to rule the nations, you know, with a rod of iron. 
But then as you keep reading, who's talking here? Jesus is talking. He says, even as I received of my father, this is all a promise to you. Church, who overcomes. In other words, he is the ultimate. He's the king of kings. But we're going to rule with him. And this is talking about us ruling even with a rod of iron in his kingdom. (laughs) It's incredible. So focus on this promise. When your back is up against the wall, this is the promise that is ours for sure. And another promise, we won't turn to it, but Revelation 3.21, Jesus said to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne? He shares his throne with us. That's a ruling place, a ruling, a place of authority. Even as I also overcame and I'm set down with my father in his throne. So he shares his rod of iron. He shares his throne. He shares his kingdom. We possess it. That's our promise. Focus on that when your back is against the wall. The second word I will give you is the word wait. Because <laughs> it ain't yet. Okay, so go back to Daniel 7. Just one quick verse here for this point. Is that we have to wait for God's timing. Daniel 7.22. The verse is up on the screen. Can you read it with me? It says, Until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. So it says, Until... The Ancient of Days came, and that is he brought judgment to the Antichrist. So that will, the the Ancient of Days, the Father's judgment on the Antichrist will, in a sense, trigger the coming of Christ in the cloud. So we just have to wait for his time. Because right now, we're in a world system that is ruled by these Gentile, beastly, savage powers. So wait. Be of good cheer. The third word I'm going to give you, not just focus and wait, but the third word is stand. Having done all, stand. Don't stop standing for Jesus. So here we see that the Antichrist puts tremendous deceptions in the world. And he harasses the world with his words. And that's what the kingdoms of this world do. They they will seek to harass us and deceive us with the use specifically in this passage. I see the power of deceptive words to harass and trouble the people of God. So look at some of these verses and the emphasis on how the Antichrist is going to speak great things. Look at verse 8. I have the verses there. We'll just scan them very quickly. We'll look at Daniel chapter 7. You see in verse 8, it talks about the little horn. The little horn is that Antichrist. And then it says, this horn, there were eyes like the eyes of a man. That means he had, humanly speaking, he had a human wisdom. To be able to discern and how to take power. And then it says he had a mouth speaking great things. So he was a communicator and able to deceive. Look in verse number 11 where it says, And I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. 
Look at verse 20. It says, and the ten horns that were in his head, of the other three which came up before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke, what kind of things there? It says, very great things. So that's the emphasis, speaking great things, very great things. Now look at verse 25, and it says, he shall speak great words. Now, now here we see where his great words are really focused. It's, these are great words against who? The Most High. That's our world. To speak great words. Who's the Most High? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit in this context. The King, our great triune God. And this goes hand in hand with Revelation, where it says the Antichrist, upon his head are the names of blasphemy. Revelation 13.1. Revelation 13.5, it says there was given to him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. Very similar to Daniel 7. Dan, uh, Revelation 13.6, he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name. So what should we expect? The words of of the worldly empires around us, even today, and growing worse, what should we expect out of them? Blasphemous words to tear down our faith in God. That's what the believers will face during the tribulation. We're facing some of that now. What must we do? Do what they will do. Stand in love. But stand strong in faith, in the power of the Spirit. Stand. Don't back down. You know, it's amazing who our world puts out there and says, this is the entertainment that you should watch to bring in the new year. Look at the entertainers they pick. Blasphemous, vile people who, who have all kinds of immorality and wickedness. I'm talking about I'll tell you who I'm talking about. Miley Cyrus. She's not any kind of role model for our young ladies. I'm talking about Cardi B. I've heard some of her songs. I, I can't even repeat it. Some of these things are so bad. Yet they're going to be entertaining our nation as we come into a new year. We have to stand against the blasphemies of the world. So we see this beast was crushing. This Roman Empire was dreadful, devouring, diverse, demonic. They had to stand against it. And by the way, if you look at this, you know, it's amazing how in Daniel 7 things repeat themselves. It's like there's a, there's a repetition over a number of things. And one of the things that repeats itself is the description of this Roman Empire. In verse 7, look at the words. And we talked about them last time. Or when we did that, remember the, the D words, they were dreadful, devouring, diverse. And then I had the word demonic, but those words are in verse seven. And then they're also in verse 19, the same three words, diverse, dreadful, and they were devouring, stamping. And that's talking about this fourth beast also. And then we see it again repeated in verse 23, two of the words. He says, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom, which shall be diverse and it will devour. So that's how this. This worldly empire is described. I believe that there are elements of it in our world today, in our own country today. And of course, the Antichrist, 
who spoke these blasphemous words. And it even says in verse 25, there's an interesting phrase there. It says, these words are against the Most High. And what will they do to you? What, what will they have a tendency to do to you? To Verse 25, what does it say? Wear you out. They can wear you out. The word there is to harass you. So when you get worn out by the words of this world, and man, you could hear the words on your job. You could hear the words walking down the street, and you're just behind people, and they're just cursing or whatever. You could hear the words on media or social media. You could hear the words, uh, read the words in the paper or, or on television or wherever. Where do we go when we're harassed and worn out by the words of this world? We've got to go to the word of God to build us up and encourage our faith. The fourth word I'll give you, not only focus on that promise, wait on God's time, stand against the harassing, blasphemous words of this world, but overcome the targeted persecution. Because this world, just like the, the kingdom of the Antichrist, will literally target the people of God. And it will seem like he is winning. He will be winning for a time. He will put many to death. You know, just because we're Christians, this health, wealth, prosperity gospel does not fit in the Bible at all, especially in this chapter. <laughs> I mean, sometimes God's people are up against the wall. Sometimes they get put to the stake. And, not, and unlike Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fire actually kills them. Christians have died in the fire, right? A lot of Christians have suffered for their faith. And during the kingdom of Antichrist, during this great tribulation, there's going to be, while there will be great revival, I believe, there will be great martyrdom, great bloodshed. He will make war with the saints. Look at verse 21. It says, I beheld and the same horn made war with the saints. And what did he do? The saints didn't... didn't get the victory over him. What does it say? Who, who got the victory? Who was getting the victory? The Antichrist was. It says he prevailed against them. Now, how was he prevailing? Look at verse 25. It says, again, great things, wearing out the saints of the Most High, and then keep reading verse 25. And it says, and think to change times and laws. He will change laws. That's why I'm, that's really, I'm focused on that now. And this idea of targeting the believers. They will change laws to specifically target you to bring persecution, martyrdom, confiscation of property for you to have to flee or run. That's what's going to happen during the tribulation. So we actually saw that as an example in Daniel. With Daniel, they changed the law. And they say, you cannot pray to any God. If you do, you go into the den of lions. They change the law to what? To target Daniel. And so that's what this Antichrist is going to do. He's going to change laws. Now, we're seeing this happen today. Now, sometimes laws change. Somebody mentioned this to me before this, uh, after the first service. Sometimes laws change for the good. You know, like slavery laws change. That's for the good, Jim Crow laws. So sometimes laws change, and that's a good thing. But sometimes laws change, and they're really targeting us in a way. How? They could change economic laws. 
And that's what the Antichrist is going to do. He's going to change the laws about money. He's going to say everybody must receive the, the mark of the beast. And if you don't do that, you can't buy or sell. And it, but that mark of the beast was actually giving worship and loyalty to the Antichrist in his kingdom. And, of course, believers will not take the mark of the beast. So that's one way that, that God's people will be targeted. But today, I, I believe we're seeing the change of laws, marriage laws. And that, in a sense, targets Christians because for us, marriage, it's quite simple. We believe that one man should marry one woman. But it's not so simple out there in the world today. And what if they change the law that if we speak out against other forms of unions other than one man marrying one woman, they say, well, that's a hate crime. And so they could change the laws that would target us. I saw yesterday an article, just yesterday. It said this. It said Harvard calls women birthing people because not all who give birth are women. That's a change of law. (laughs) If they make a law to say you must say that now you can't say a woman gives birth. You have to call a woman a birthing person. Because that woman bearing a child might not be a woman. She might identify as a man. And so you have to, what if they change the law? You see, they could change the law and they could say, if you don't say this or if you speak against it, then you're committing a hate crime of some. So they could change the laws to target the people of God. Maybe they're going to have vaccine laws. <laughs> no, they wouldn't do that. Maybe they're going to have chip laws, you know, like we mentioned the chip. So the changing of laws to target the saints. And so all of this is to take away our freedoms, ultimately to force people to worship who they want us to worship. Now, it's an amazing thing when you do look at history. And there are, there are nations in the world today, totalitarian, the communist nations, that dictate to people where they can go to worship and who they can worship. Why is the denying and the controlling of someone's religion so bad, so awful? Because who we worship and where we go to worship is the foundation of all our other freedoms. And if you take away somebody's freedom of worship to worship as they believe God would have them worship, you take that away. You can control every other aspect of their life. So the denial of religious liberty is a common characteristic of political dictators and totalitarian regimes. And why is that? Why, do, why, why does Satan want to control that? And why, why, during the, why during the tribulation time will the Antichrist say, you have to worship me? The Antichrist will go into the temple, and he will declare that he is God. Why? Why can't he just say, well, I'm God, so whoever wants to worship me can, but if you want to worship your God, you wor- why can't he they, they say that? No, that's not the way they want it. Because you know why? Who's in them? Who's controlling them? Satan. And Satan hates who? The Most High God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He hates Jesus Christ. So he will try to 
change laws and target you to get you and break your faith against Jesus. So overcome. We are overcomers in Jesus. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So we have to overcome. And the third thing here is that during this outworking of God's plan, it often seems like evil is winning. And it will sometimes even look like evil cannot be defeated. Even look at today. I mean, the church, we're, we're so small today in comparison to all of the news of the day, you know, all of the, the world events that are swirling all around us. It's like, oh, the church, I mean, you know, they're just actually trying to get us to shut up and stay home and, and, and don't sing songs and, and don't go to church, you know. I mean, they're just telling, they're, even today with this pandemic, not saying that it's not, doesn't have its issues, but we can see where they're trying to even control our life and our worship through this. But it seems that evil cannot be defeated. During this time of the Antichrist, it says he will wear out the saints. And in the book of Revelation, it tells us that many will be killed. And, and there will be much bloodshed, much bloodshed during this tribulation time. So if they could overcome, as it says in Revelation 12, I love the verse, it says they overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. If these tribulation saints could overcome under such strong, intense, targeted persecution, if they can, we can also. So let's overcome. Let's focus on the promise. Let's wait on God's timing. Let's stand against the blasphemies of the world. And lastly, the last word I'll give you is serve. And the word serve, again, is in verse 27, where it says, what are we going to be doing in the kingdom? Are we going to be bored? Are we going to run out of things to do for a thousand years? And then beyond that, forever? Look what it says. Again, the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom is going to be given to the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting dominion. And all dominions shall what? Shall serve and obey Him. What are we going to be doing during the kingdom? Serving and obeying Him. What should we be doing now? Serve and obey Him. This is like, keep it simple, right? Keep it simple. Saints, the saints during the kingdom of God will simply be serving the Lord. So what do you do when your back is up against the wall? Well, remember Daniel? What did he do when they say, you're going to go into the den of lions? What did the king say? Your God whom you serve. How, how did Daniel serve his God? Remember what the king said? Serve your God continually. Daniel served God continually. Even when his back was up against the wall, he didn't stop serving God. And God delivered him. And same thing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And really, the book of Daniel, the whole book of Daniel, from beginning to even this point, is a book of great deliverance. People's backs against the wall. 
and they still trust the Lord and serve him through hard and heat-filled times, and God miraculously delivered. So, let's serve him now. So look at this verse, beautiful verse. This is kingdom stuff. This is Jesus promising the apostles as representatives, as leaders of our church. This is what Jesus is saying to the apostles. What does he say? Verily, I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, that is when he makes, he makes all things new and establishes his kingdom, when the Son of Man, Son of Man, who comes in the clouds, right, shall sit in the throne of his glory, where will you be? He says to the apostles, you also shall sit upon the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, I don't know where you're going to be judging, but if you're faithful to the Lord, you serve the Lord, you stand, you focus, you wait on the Lord, you will be seated with Jesus on his throne, ruling with him. That's what he told in the parable of the talents and the parable of the pounds. He says, you've been faithful over these few cities. I'll give you 10 cities. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So, your back is against the wall. God is in control. It might not seem there's a way out, a way for victory. But as we close, my point today is that God doesn't make life easy. He could. God doesn't make life easy. He could if he wanted to. Why? Why Why doesn't he make it easy for us? So that we will trust him. Even, and I'll use this word, with a sense of desperation. Because we know there's no way out except through him. Because who could bring Daniel through the fire? Who could bring Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through the fire? Who could bring Daniel through the lion's head? Who could bring these believers out of the tribulation and stand before the Lord with white robes? Who could do it? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. So we need to desperately make sure we're saved. Are you born again? Have you repented? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Make sure you're born again. Make sure you have put your faith in Jesus, that he died for you on the cross and rose again. And you know for certain, not like I hope, maybe I think so. No, you know you're his child. Are you saved? And then, do you know why God, I believe, makes life sometimes difficult? Because... And I put it right here. Victory after great struggle brings greater joy. It's like if you're in a contest and you put your all into it and then you succeed in that and you feel the victory or you win that event or that that contest, you feel a great sense of you feel a greater sense of of joy and satisfaction in it. And so God is going to bring us through this life, sometimes hard, 
physically hard, financially hard, uh, difficult family situation. But he's going to bring us through so that we will be eternally in his presence with exceeding joy. So trust in the Lord. And the last verse we'll say together is in Luke chapter 12. What did Jesus say? He said, blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing of a truth. I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all. Do you know that you're going to possess the kingdom and have that kind of authority and rule with Jesus? Focus on that. Wait on God for that. Stand, overcome, and serve him now. Let's stand together as we close our service in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your great love to us. Thank you for your coming, Lord Jesus, there in that manger. And we know that babe born in that manger was born to rule. He was born a king, even as Herod feared from the very start and sent out his emissaries to have you killed, Lord Jesus. That's the world we're living in. They wanted to kill you as soon as you were born. But thank you, Lord, that nothing could thwart or stop your plan all the way to the cross and all the way to your coming again and your establishing of your kingdom forever. And how many would say, Pastor Matt, I've been saved by the grace of God, and I know I'm going to possess the kingdom as a saint of God by his grace. And I want to serve him now with my heart. Can you see your hand? Put it up. Even in Zoom land, you say, yes, my heart is to serve the Lord, my king, the king of kings. And I thank God that he has saved me by his grace. And I, and I will wait for his coming to serve him on his throne. Say hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 